Welcome to the Pink Cloud Podcast. In this weekly podcast, we offer a supportive space where women share their personal experiences of getting sober and navigating sobriety while being young. In each episode, we deliver an amazing combination of heart-to-hearts and informative interviews with sober women without judgment. This podcast is about of necessity for like-minded women trying to seek and maintain sobriety while achieving more in their lives. Whether it's in sobriety, relationships, career, spirituality, mental health, or health and wellness. Created with sobriety, recovery, and sisterhood in mind, the Pink Cloud Podcast unites the voices of phenomenal women as we share deep and inspiring conversations of hope for a bright future. Hello and welcome to the Pink Cloud Podcast. I'm your sober host, Lisa H. And today we have an exciting guest, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Hi. So Ryan is a successful entrepreneur, woman business owner, and she is sober. So Ryan, we were talking a little bit before the show about your business ventures and sobriety. So tell us a little bit about your business. Yeah. So I am in real estate and I own a real estate team here in Northeast Texas. We have myself plus eight agents. I think as of today, we had one just pass her test. We've got an inside sales department and a full admin team ready to support our agents. And yeah, we did just under 43 million in transactions total last year. That's amazing. And your median price point is it's like two hundred and fifty-seven thousand. Okay. So you're killing it. So <laughs> yeah, you guys are just doing over the top. So we were talking a little bit about the before the show. You started your business drinking, right? So you started in real estate and you were drunk the first six years, right? Something like that. Yeah. I got my real estate license in 2015 and I really like I loved the flexibility that it gave me as a young mom. And somewhere along the way in between 2015 and 2016, I had made friends with some of these moms in town and we liked to be ladies who lunched. I would work in the morning and then we'd go to lunch and have cocktails and some of them would stop drinking, you know, and go be responsible parents and (laughs) and business people. And then some of us didn't. And so I had found myself really falling into like, you know, all the Facebook pages that like mommy needs vodka and all of that crap online, it gave me permission. And then our business, even though real estate is amazing and I absolutely love our industry, it can lend itself to a drinking culture. Yeah, absolutely. So I fell right down that. I mean, as soon as someone gave me permission, it was like game on. Yeah. And it is heavily promoted drinking, having a drink to celebrate transaction, having a drink because they're high stress. Like you're talking about two extremely highly stressed things, being a mom of young kids. That's high stress and real estate. Those are two high stress, heavily alcohol promoted industries. Like the mommy wine culture is such a thing. I have my daughter in sobriety and it's crazy the amount of influence and how moms, oh, I need a drink. I need a drink. I totally get it. Like, don't get me wrong. I know I understand why people's like, oh gosh, I need a drink. I'm a mom. I need a drink, but it's difficult. I mean, it is that past though, right? Like it is that, oh, I can have a drink. Everyone does it. Everyone's having a drink. Everyone's stressed. Why not me? But you mentioned something. You mentioned some of the moms would go home after you lunch and be responsible. And then others would not. Others wouldn't. And guess who I wanted to stay with? Because (laughs) it was like, it was greenlit. It was a free pass. And I remember, you know, my husband and I were talking about recording this and 
he said, I said, was it that bad? And he's like, it wasn't bad. It's not like you were getting mopped up off the floor all the time. However, he goes, every fight that we had during that time period was fueled by the alcohol or about the alcohol. Every disagreement, our thing would be like, I would go to this other gal's house and we would be there drinking. And when he would get off at work at five, we'd be like, just come here and we'll eat dinner and we'll all just be together and just come here. Cause like her husband would come home and my husband's like, I don't want to go there. I want to go to my house. Like, I don't want to come hang out with you guys. He's like, I just got off work. He's like, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Jesus. Can I have a hot meal at home? Like, yes. like, why is my wife not at work? Like the rest of us. One of the things that didn't prepare me for was when I did finally in 2019 say, you know what, this is not serving me. I had to get new friends. That was hard. It was really hard. And I still miss that girl. I mean, I haven't talked to her in a long time. I feel for her because I don't know what her scenario is anymore, but that sucked. That was hard. She was my support system. We worked out together every morning at the gym because you know, nobody was going to accuse me of being hungover. So I was at the gym at 5am. Like I'm always going to be the hardest worker in the room. My dad's also in recovery. And that is something that he and I 100% have in common. Like you will never see anyone outwork the two of us. Like we are going to go hard. And so I love it. At the gym in the morning, I'd go to work, we'd meet for lunch. And then like, that was our deal. So So you mentioned getting sober and losing friends. What did your business and what did your bottom look like at that time? So yeah, it's interesting. The year I got sober, I got sober at the end of my best year to date in real estate. And so it was also the hardest year physically, emotionally, all of the things. It was incredibly difficult. So that year in 2019, I got sober October 4th. And I ended up doing 52 transactions that year by myself, but, or, and (laughs) at the end of that year, I had to get two iron infusions. My body was really like shutting down because of just the lack of care that I was giving it. I was working out really hard in the gym. I was quitting drinking and I was eating like crap because I was just trying to like fuel myself. So from there, like 52 sides, but not necessarily happy sides, <laughs> just yeah. like round to the just ground. Just hard charging. Yes. Like head down, just plowing through it to now I started my team in 2020 and we did 150 deals last year. But aside from that, like we've paid off a ton of debt. We built a new house. We're landlords now. I think we've got two rentals currently. And I mean, so like so much has happened with just three years of intense focus. Yeah. And we talked about that. Oh, actually, I'm going to step back a little bit. I'm going to go back a little bit. So you said 150 transactions for those non real estate people who don't know what that means. The average realtor or licensed person, I think, closes between what is it, six and 12 a year? If I think NAR says six. So just to put that into perspective. And so the people that are not in real estate, the amount of success that you have is just monumental. So I'm just trying to put that that into perspective because someone could be like, oh, 150, maybe don't know exactly how much work and success and effort goes into that. So I wanted to make sure that everyone here knows how much you guys are actually doing (laughs) and how much you're doing there. You talked a little bit about your dad and being in recovery. And we were talking before the show about the traits of an alcoholic and the traits of an addict and that hard charging head down, stop at no cost just keep going, how that can be positive, but also negative if you take it too far. Yeah. 
It's funny. Went over to my parents' house the other day. My uncle happens to be visiting and all of us on that side of the family have struggled at some point with alcohol, everybody. So my uncle is there and my dad is there and they're both like up buzzing around, like nervously cleaning. Right. And so then I get there and then I just start like picking stuff up and moving it around and like nervously cleaning. And I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong with us? Like, you just can't, like, if you see someone else working, then you're like, oh, well, I better work too, because it's ingrained in who we are. And I think for a lot of us who, and I've never been a part of a program. So just, I've not spent a lot of time other than outside of my family with a lot of addicts, but I know that that is totally it where it's like, I am hyper fixated on achieving this thing, or I'm going to have this goal and I'm going to get there and nobody's going to stop me. And I'm a hundred percent in. And when I'm done with it, I'm a hundred percent out and I will never want to do it or think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in, I'm in, I'm done. I'm done. That that is, it's such a trait of like alcoholic or addict. And so I've been in a lot of recovery programs and I've been sober for almost 15 years. And so I have a lot of experience with being around other addicts (laughs) and alcoholics. And I can tell you that that is a trait that we all have is that we have to be the best. Once we start, you can't veer off course to finish it. Like veer off course, you have to finish it. Like there's no way that you can't finish what you started because it will give me anxiety. Like you have to do it. And that's the same thing with drinking. It was like, once you're in it, it's like you're in it and that's all you want to do and think about. And my entire life revolved around drinking. When I was drinking, that was it. It was like my clothes that I wore to the signs up in my house, to every event that I went to and everything that I did revolved around my drinking. Cause that was my one thing at the time was my drinking. And I have a past because, oh, I grew up, I don't know. It's actually not even a big deal. My parents got divorced, but everyone gets divorced. It's not even that big of a deal. (laughs) Like when you think about it, I'm like, what was I all worked up about? But I think I kept that story going and was like, oh, I'm going to drink over this and continued that drinking. But I also worked in real estate when I was drinking too, and just didn't know any different and just like head down, like close, 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 next, 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 Mm -hmm. next the same thing. It is. It is. And it's funny, you know, like I didn't have any big kind of crazy trigger. I wasn't one of those people who had a huge trauma that caused it. I was raised in a horse show family. I was raised around alcohol. My dad fully embraced like, oh, we're at a horse show or we're done at the horse show. And so he's going to drink whatever. My mom never drank, but I was raised in a drinking culture. And then I always aligned myself not always. There was a whole section of my life where I didn't drink hardly at all. But then when I aligned myself in a culture where it was accepted again, it was game on. Because in the horse show world, it's very much accepted. It's just part of it. It just is what it is. It's a cowboy thing, whatever. When we were in Virginia, we were there for four years. That's when I was really super into fitness. We were very, very involved with our church. But still, every time we would have wine with dinner, I would have a lot of wine with dinner. I have never been wired to be one of those people that's like, "Mm, I'll just have a half a glass. Like, I don't know how to do that. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't even make sense to me with the Dr. Pepper, like drink it. Just do it. It's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) It is so weird when I see normal people drink and leave drinks behind. I'm like, are you going to finish that? It's just bizarre to me that it doesn't compute in my head that you'd order a drink and not drink at all. I, I can't relate to that. I went on a girl's trip and 
we're at a restaurant, but we had a long wait and they're like, oh, let's go order drinks at the bar. And so it's like, what is this fluffy drink? So they're looking at all like the fruity, like drinks that have the names and stuff. And then they don't finish them because we get called to our table and they're like, oh, this one's okay. Oh, and then they go to the table and eat dinner like a normal person. It just was so bizarre. I'm like observing you, right? Because I'm not drinking. I'm like, this is just so weird to me to watch people drink like for taste. <laughs> I know it's super weird. Somebody had given me some of the Shirley, like the non-alcoholic champagne. We had our anniversary this weekend and we made fake mimosas with this non-alcoholic uh-huh. champagne and we're getting ready to leave the hotel. And I'm like, Oh, but we have to take this. I poured it in a water bottle and brought it home. <laughs> ridiculous. Like old habits die hard, man. Oh no, my wait, gosh. I don't care if it's fake. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And so you mentioned you didn't go to a program. So what happened? So what was your final thing? Because you've been sober for what, yeah. four years now? Oh yeah. Three and a half. Okay. So three and a half years now, and you were drinking heavily before and then you quit. So what did that look like? Well, it was straight chaos a little bit. So I had had a really rough night. My husband was out of town and I was with that friend we had talked about and Mm -hmm. it was a rough night. Should not have driven home. Never should have happened. Got home safely. Thank God. And when I got home, I remember I had like a tickle fight with the kids or something. I'm not a tickle fight kind of mom. And, And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, I need to be done. This needs yeah. to not happen anymore. I was still a little drunk when I woke up. I had to drive to Dallas, which is about 90 miles away that morning to pick up my husband from work. And just on that drive, it just kind of solidified that like this needs to stop. I just decided I would take a break. And we had taken breaks, my husband and I, every year. We used to do a Daniel fast every single January. So that's mm-hmm. 21 days. So we would do that every January. So I knew I could do it a little while, but it had been a while since I had done a long time. I just decided I would take a break. I was going to go for just a few days. And then I got to like three or four days and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going. And then I got to seven days and then I got to 10 days. And then my mother-in-law came to visit and she and I used to love to drink beer and play cards. Well, I made it through that whole visit. And then I was at like two weeks and I'm like, man, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Like, this is cool. So I listened to is it the Sober Vibes podcast or Sober mm-hmm. Girls, something like that? One of them is a tattoo artist. I still listen to it sometimes. I'll have to find it and send, send you what it, the name is. But I listened to that podcast a lot. I went to a couple virtual AA meetings during the pandemic, mm-hmm. but I listened to Dax Shepard every week on his podcast, Armchair Expert. And he yeah. got me through so much. Like I owe him like tons of high five. <laughs> It was a lot of just on my own podcasts, reading, learning. And then in February, I came to Keller Williams where I was surrounded by more people who were really looking to become the best versions of themselves. Yes. Yes. You have someone with a desire of like, I want to better my life in this way. And then you have people who are like, well, here's the MREA, read this. And here's the one thing, read that. Then I'm like, wait, you can make a million dollars selling real estate? I didn't know that. So then I had something new to hyper-focus on. Yep. And so I just went all in. I love it. Yeah. So it sounds like you had that aha moment, right? Like this is not the direction. And then everything kind of lined up and it got into alignment with that. And it sounds like you're at the perfect place with people who drinking problem or not just want to be better people, the best versions of themselves, the best lives that they could possibly have. Yes. 
And I relied heavily on my pastor also, like in our small group. So I remember I was so scared to tell them, like they all knew it was an issue. Obviously, duh, they're in life with me. But I remember I was so nervous and I was like, so I think I'm going to take a break from drinking. And Pastor Alex is like, awesome. Will you share your testimony on stage? And I'm like, it's been like 12 minutes. Like, no, I'm not sharing anything. (laughs) But when it had been about a year and a half or maybe two years, I did. We did a video testimony and I shared it on stage. So then I felt what it feels like to inspire others about that. Like it's the thing to inspire people about sales, whatever. I can teach anybody how to sell anything. That's fine. That's not exciting. Like it's exciting, but that's not exciting as changing someone's life. Yeah. And so I got to feel that. And then I was given an opportunity to be on stage last year at the Her Best Life event in Scottsdale. And we were not going to talk about it. Like we were not going to say anything about it. Sarah Reynolds was going to ask me about my weight loss. That's what we were talking about. We were talking about my business and my weight loss. And then all of a sudden it just like fell out of me. Like, well, I've been sober and blah, blah, blah. Three or four girls came up to me afterwards. And now two of them that I know of are part of clarity with us. And so I love it. I have goosebumps right now. That was really cool. I love it. Oh my gosh, Ryan, you're amazing. You just inspire me. Even in our conversation beforehand, I learned so many new things and you're just such an inspiration. So leave the listeners with one thing, one little nugget of hope or something that you want to give the listeners before we wrap up. I would say whatever you need to do to keep yourself feeling the best and staying sober, you need to do it. If that means that you need to carry around your same Stanley cup, with Topo Chico and apple juice in it still right now for almost four years, <laughs> do it. Whatever you need to do, you need to be your best to go do it. That means you need to work out every day. Cool. And in those early days, if that means you need to eat a crap ton of Reese's peanut butter cups, also do it and then deal with that in a little while. <laughs> but when you're in survival mode to help yourself survive. Love it. All right, Ryan. Well, thank you so much. And listeners, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Pink Cloud Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. We'll catch you in the next episode.